ghosts, specters, whatever you want to call them, they've been around for thousands of years. Apparently she died from a tooth infection in one of the upstairs rooms in the house. As at the locations they haunt. History of a Haunting podcast tells you all about these famous, infamous, and almost famous locations. And why they became terrifying places to visit. Grab a glass of wine and settle in with your hosts, Archie. I mean, that was definitely the wrong thing to do. And Carrie. Nobody asked for it, Carrie. Nobody fucking asked for it. But hey, my podcast, and I'll say what I fucking want. (laughs) Two people just winging it in life and this podcast. So enjoy this week's episode of History of a Haunting. Hey, everybody. Welcome to History of a Haunting. I am your host, Archie. I am your host, Carrie. And I'm your host, Laura. I su- I'm still surprised she comes back. I mean, especially after last week. Oh, we man. sucked up so much of her time. <laughs> <laughs> last week is soaking up a lot of people's time now. We're hey, sharing that. <laughs> Hope you guys are over the world. Yeah. Hope you guys were road tripping at that point. <laughs> um... I just have the one EVP to go over today. And Archie, I really think that you'll find it interesting. The minute, so I, Tony and Sheree Rathman, who are of Entity Voices Paranormal, they were on um, Strange Oddities podcast with Matt. And um, Tony brought up a really interesting thing. So Matt asks all of his guests, or most all of his guests, what's on their bucket list, like what they'd like to do and like what they would like to do in the field in the future. Okay. And so Arsh, you know, Tony is um, real good at and really into building his own paranormal equipment. And the most recent thing that he has built is the Evox, which is sort of like the spirit box where it scans the radio frequencies and then it picks up different. um, The idea behind it is, that entities and spirits can manipulate those that those energy fields and then they can come through in those radio frequencies that are scanned like every quarter right. of a second. Right, right, right. The, mm-hmm. the E-box is a little bit more of an upgraded version of that. Oh. But Tony brought up this fascinating idea that he wanted to try in that he wanted to go to a really, really active place in not really a specific location, but I would imagine it would have to be to ask the question, are we speaking with a spirit or an extraterrestrial? Hmm. Uh Uh-huh. Because they can communicate through radio waves. Right. So what if that is, that is very interesting. Right. I was like, I gotta write this down. Archie's going to love it. (laughs) (laughs) It was really kind of brilliant i mean because they got to talking about skinwalker ranch they got to talking about you know like all this different stuff and he was like what if some of the stuff we're picking up isn't spirits what if it's what if it isn't terrestrial yeah 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 that that's definitely interesting crazy right what do you think laura i think it's really an interesting idea i mean the only thing that I think would be weird is the space, right? How, how much time it takes for signals to get here. Mm. So if we're talking about something that's close, which we yeah. see all the footage and all of yeah, that, right? Sure. Would, they could would, do it. It would, it would definitely be an orbit. Right. right yeah. Across that quickly. 
But I mean, we know that the array of satellites picks up repeating signals out in distant space, right? But I mean, how old are they? They would have to be so old to get here by the time that we receive them. Right. So I think that that's a really interesting idea. Um, again, they would have to be close for that to for that to work. Yeah. Yeah, and then okay, so say so, so say that it it does work, and then all right, so then they are close. Then it's like, you know, where I, I was thinking because he he was like it would have to almost have to be a really active location. So then I got to thinking, well, where are lo- active locations out in the middle of the, like the desert is typically where you hear about these sightings and what have you. Aho, the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, there's you know Snowflake, Arizona is another. Um, site of a famous abduction what was his name travis somebody the one they made the movie about yes fire in the sky Mm -hmm. yeah i saw that okay yeah Um, right before i moved to arizona and let me tell you i was freaked out (laughs) (laughs) i was like i'm never going to the desert welcome to arizona (laughs) that was my best alien voice by the way thank you stay stay home (laughs) they're not safe Um, I just thought it was a really brilliant idea. Like, and, and then at the same time, I thought, how has somebody ever thought of this before? Like it's radio waves, it's radio scanning radio frequencies. Like also, also maybe mention in consideration radio waves is kind of an archaic technology for us mm -hmm. at this point, because we've switched to digital and digital for all, all we know is archaic in the rest of the galaxy. So he should probably just start, you know, aim high and continue. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. I'm not really sure. Like he didn't go into like detail about like how he wanted to do, but that's something that's on his bucket list to start asking in investigations. Is this, you know, a spirit we're speaking to, or are we speaking to another life form or what I thought it was absolutely fascinating and then that's actually really cool that he's thinking that way yeah well the cool thing about radio waves is it's part of the natural spectrum right right Mm -hmm. digital you're locked in the digital world right? right yeah um but radio waves are just part of the natural light spectrum so yeah and you have all of that so I don't know I was like cool I know. And I was like, it's so brilliant. And of course, Tony, of course it's Tony because he loves to think like that kind of outside the box. So yeah, that that's the only EVP I had. I, I highly recommend strange oddities podcast, always recommend entity voices, paranormal evidence, but this is the kind of stuff they discuss. These are the kind of ideas that are happening in the paranormal field. And um, so I really wanted to, to talk about that on, on the show today. Um, that's really the only EVP that I have. Do you guys have any updates and announcements or endless vocal prattling that we can share with the masses? My shoes are really nice and I don't care what anyone says. That's my <laughs> only thing. <laughs> All right. The floor has it to Laura. She loves, she loves her shoes. All right. Well, <laughs> God, if we're going that direction, I managed to coat three of my fingers with super glue yesterday. So I was wearing a wet latex glove. <laughs> um, I don't really why? know what to say to that. I don't. I, I, <laughs> it wasn't intentional. I can promise you that. 
we're going to need some expansion on this, Arsh. What were you doing with the super glue? And I was, um, it was, I was fixing an item. Oh, good. I, so it wasn't a moment of boredom where you were like, what will happen if I do this? Oh, Can no. I peel no. it off like Elmer's or no. like, oh, God, second no. grade projects? I can I can tell you it does not come off like Elmer's. <laughs> it comes off with skin. <laughs> Gross. Yeah. I'm, I'm mostly I'm mostly healed now, but for a little while my my fingers were really shiny, <laughs> and I was smart enough to realize when they were wet that I should keep do them that. Apart. Yeah, <laughs> keep them as far away from themselves and anything else as I could until they dried. <laughs> Goodness gracious! Okay, all right. Yeah. So that's super fun. Okay, and in um, too much weird information on all of us, I am quitting smoking. So uh, my poor co-hosts are having to deal with my withdrawal attacks because like various, you know, I'm on the patch and it wasn't working and I was yelling at Archie over text message and he was like, or move the patch over here. And I'm, and it worked. And so thank you, Archie. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we're all, we're all obviously having very important things go on in our lives. Laura's buying stupid shoes that are very important to her. Archie is learning how not to glue his hands together. And <laughs> I am trying to quit smoking and hopefully we'll be successful. So she's really just trying not to kill everyone. I am in that murderous phase of withdrawal. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's that's kind of the most important thing is to not murder anyone because you can't smoke in prison. Right. Carrie's going to end up on a different podcast. I'm sorry, <laughs> but I have seen Orange is the New Black, and I know that you can smoke in prison. Okay. Well, my favorite murder will be different with Carrie's podcast because Listen. she will be detailing who was her favorite kill. <laughs> if prison was like Orange is the New Black, I think every lesbian I know would be trying to get arrested. <laughs> Including me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're probably right. So I'll either um, have to not murder or be smarter about it than the people they cover in My Favorite Murder. Or just be heteroflexible. Or just start smoking again. I really, I haven't decided which <laughs> is how this is going to end up. But anyway, um, that's all I have. Arch, why don't you tell everybody who the Patreon of the week Our is? Our Patreon is new and she is Christy. Yay, Christy, Christy welcome. Christy, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes, Christy, thank you so much. We are so glad to have you. And to you from all of us here at History of a Haunting, here is a standing ovation. Okay. All right. Welcome, Christy. Um, she joined on a on a on a, um, a big week. Salem was a big big episode. Uh, we had a lot of fun. There was it was hard to narrow down just the locations that we were going to do. Um, this week we just have the one location, uh, which is great. It's a lot shorter. My research is a lot shorter, and it'll probably be a lot less time to edit. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I'm, I'm excited about this one. It was a lot of fun to, to, to research. So, Arch, why don't you tell Laura and the peoples where we're taking them today? We are talking about the Octagon House in Washington, D.C. And I put inflection on that because, Carrie, did you realize how many 
fucking houses there are called the Octagon House in the United States. <laughs> I did not when I suggested it. And I too found a lot of um, haunted Octagon op- Octagon <laughs> houses. Octa- <laughs> Octagai. Uh, what is multiple octagons? <laughs> it would be Octagon houses. Okay. Since um, they're wholly separate. <laughs> Mm-hmm. that are haunted in this country. And I'm like going through and I'm like, you know, finding like, you know, the usual consistent stories. And then I came across a bunch of weirder ass ones. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And I'm looking and I'm like, there's an octagon house in Wisconsin. What? There's an <laughs> octagon house in Michigan. Yeah. I didn't, um, I did not know that. I, I thought the yeah. only one was DC. So you know how to... fucking hilarious it would be if I did my history on one octagon house and you did yours on another one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, yeah, I, I just thought there was the one. Um, so thank you for just figuring that out on your own. Well, it <laughs> helps to be psychic. I mean, it does, uh, but let's hear your history. I mean, maybe you did do the wrong one. Arch. Paint us a picture, Archie. Take us to the Octagon House in D.C. Nowhere else. Oh, all right, nowhere else. Nowhere else, absolutely. All right, hey, everybody. We are going to the Octagon House in Washington, D.C., United States of America. All of my information was found on nps.gov, which is the National Park Service, and Wikipedia. The Octagon House, built between 1798 and 1800, was designed by Dr. William Thornton, the architect of the U.S. Capitol, and completed by 1800. Colonel John Taylor, for whom the house was built, owned Mount Airy Plantation, located approximately 100 miles south of Washington in Richmond County, Virginia. Taylor was reported to be the richest Virginian plantation owner of his time and built the house in Washington at the suggestion of George Washington. Is it, was it just me or did you think that they spelled his name wrong? Like it was a typo at first. I was like, that must be Taylor. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, my, it is Microsoft, Microsoft Word suggested that to me every <laughs> minute I typed. Dr. William Thornton was a self-trained architect who, again, had won the United States Capitol competition. His first problem for the Octagon House was to plan a building that would fit the lot, the south side of which was cut away on a bias by the diagonal of New York Avenue. If the house were built to face either of the bordering streets, it would be at an ungainly angle in relation to the other street, and outbuildings and wells had to be fitted in as well. He dealt with the problem by relating the house equally to both streets, which put the two walls at a 70 degree angle from each other. The house actually has six hides, but was called the Octagon by the Talos. It has closets on every floor, an innovative feature for its time. The house is well built of brick trimmed with Aquia Creek sandstone. The lot is actually triangular, 
and fenced in by a high brick wall at the back. The kitchen, stable, and outhouses were built of brick and accommodated a large number of both servants and horses. It's really actually pretty interesting if you look at it on Google Maps. Because it is. It is. Because if you look at it from like the front door, it's it's it really the both the side streets are very long. And the architect decided to put the entry in the corner. So, so, so the longest walls facing the streets are both facing the streets and the entrance is at the corner. It's, it's phenomenal. That's interesting. So is it, okay, I'm sure you're going to go into the, the detail of it, but it's not, from what I was reading, it's not really an octagonal house, but the angles inside make it look like an octagonal? As, as I said, it's got six walls. So it's not actually an octagon-shaped house, but the Talos, they called it that. And actually, I will get into that because there is history. Oh, so they were bad at math, too. Okay, cool. <laughs> I just no, wanted to make no, sure. No, no, just lazy. Oh. <laughs> I, was I, will I will talk about that. Okay, all right. <laughs> The interior is elaborately finished, the doors of the first story being of mahogany. All of the work in the circular vestibule coincides with the circumference of the tower, the doors, sash, and glass being made on the circle. The parlor mantle is made of a fine cement composition painted white. The remains of gold leaf show in some of the relieved portions. Leading into the back hall and dining room are two secret doors in which the washboards, chairboards, etc., run across the door, being ingeniously cut some distance from the actual door. There are no keyholes, hinges, or openings showing on the blind side. The knobs and shutter buttons are of brass and evidently of a special pattern. The Taylors had 15 children. 13 of whom survived to adulthood, two unfortunately died in infancy, Anne, born and died in 1800, and Lloyd, born in 1815, died 1816. The That's children... actually quite impressive for that time. Oh, really? for sure. Yeah. The children were all born between 1793 and 1815. The oldest son, John Taylor IV, served in the U.S. Navy during the War of 1812 aboard the USS Constitution. His early death in 1824 was possibly connected to wounds received during the war. His parents provided for his wife and child after his death. Edward Thornton Taylor, George Plater Taylor, and Henley Augustine Taylor were all born at the Octagon. Now, John Taylor III was a Federalist and not terribly supportive of President James Mar Madison and the war with England that began in 1812, but he was active in the Virginia militia and commanded a regiment of D.C. cavalry. When the British marched into Washington in August 1814, there was a French flag flying outside the act of... Oh. <laughs> There was Laura, a can you please help him? 
<laughs> there was. A, I don't think I can. <laughs> I was doing so well. You were doing really well up to that point. <laughs> you could do it. That's my. When answer. the British marched into Washington in August 1814, there was a French flag flying outside outside the octagon. Anne Ogle Taylor had offered the house to the French consulate in the hopes of sparing the house from destruction at the hands of the British, and he was occupying the house when the British British arrived in the city. The house probably would have been spared even if it hadn't been effectively a, quote, diplomatic residence, since the British were under strict orders not to damage private property. When the First Lady Dolly Madison fled the city as the British approached, she sent her pet parrot to the French consulate at the Octagon for safekeeping. Well, that's very kind for a bird because birds are fucking evil. I thought you were, I totally thought you were going to say They're just being birds. (laughs) (laughs) I totally thought you were going to say she sent her bird to the French consulate for like deliver a message. And I was like, damn, that bitch is like, she's got some (laughs) stuff going on. President James Madison and his wife Dolly moved into the octagon on September 8th, 1814 after the burning of the White House by the British. President Madison ratified the Treaty of Ghent, which ended the War of 1812, and in the upstairs lobby of the Octagon at February 17th, 1815. Wow, I totally butchered that sentence. But I'm going to leave it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Oh, shit. The Talos received $500 in rent, for the Madison's six-month residency at the Octagon. Seems fair. That's a lot of money back then. Oh, back then, yeah. No, that's a lot of money. Yeah, for sure. It's a lot of money now. I'm like, I'll take 500 bucks for that. Right? Like, you want to stay in my shithole? Yeah, <laughs> give me 500 bucks. <laughs> John Taylor III died in 1828 while staying at the Octagon. Anne Ogle Taylor lived in the octagon until her death in 1855. Both John and Anne and Anne were buried at Mount Airy. After Anne's death, the Taylor children began renting out the house. It was rented to a girls' school in the 1860s and the federal government in the 1870s when it served as office space for the hydrographic office for the U.S. Navy. By the 18- And that he says correctly. Right. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> by the 1880s, the house was occupied by 10 families, probably one living in each room, tenement apartment style. The residents were probably mostly workers in the factories that populated Foggy Bottom. Foggy Bottom. Great jazz song. It's a great jazz. I expected a reaction of Foggy Bottom immediately. (laughs) Sorry, Chewy. The funny thing is, yeah, Foggy Bottom uh, is a great. It's it's, probably based off of that. I didn't, I I never connected it, but it's a neighborhood. 
1898, the American Institute of Architects, or the AIA, selected the Octagon to be their new national headquarters. They rented the building for four years and then purchased it outright in 1902. The Octagon would continue to serve as the AIA's headquarters until the construction of its current headquarter building in the 1960s, which is basically directly behind the house. Um, the Octagon was declared a National Historic Landmark in 1960, and it was opened as a museum in 1970. The house or the museum was restored to its 1817-18 era appearance in the early 1990s. The wall colors and room configurations that you see today are representative of that time period. The museum was administered by the American Architectural Foundation from 1970 to 2011-12, though the museum was closed from 2007 to 2013. Today, the museum as is administered by the AIA and offers self-guided tours, permanent and changing expeditions, public programming, and is and guided tours by appointment. The three-story brick house adapted to an irregularly shaped lot displays a dramatic break with the traditional late Georgian and early federal house planning that preceded it. The octagon achieves a zenith in federal architecture in the United States through a plan which combines a circle two rectangles and a triangle, and through the elegance and restraint of the interior and exterior decoration. The code stone, stoves, other decorative elements and furniture were all imported from England. The construction materials such as bricks, timber, iron, and Aquia Creek sandstone were all manufactured locally. Now, wait a minute. The Aquia Creek sandstone, isn't that what the White House is, was made of, too? It is. Yay, I remembered. Yay. Gold star. The reason behind the naming of the six-sided building as the octagon is unknown. Though the main room is a circle. One, yeah, one possibility <laughs> is that it resembled octagonal rooms common in England, which were also circles, but called octagon salons, because they were constructed of eight walls and then plastered heavily in the corners to make the circle. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, another explanation is that the eight angles formed by the odd shape of the six walls are an old definition of an octagon. Gotcha, okay. I was hoping you would like answer that question for me because... Yeah. Yeah, it's a little it's a little obscure, but yeah. Somebody's failing geometry. <laughs> Other than me, yay. Or 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 a whole lot of people from <laughs> 300 years ago. <laughs> right. I mean, I feel like I am an old soul, so that I'll accept that. Well, geometry is ancient, so we're going to have to do a little better. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah. All right. Well, that's what I've got. 
That was great, Archie. Thank you so much. I love it. I love it. And I, I apologize uh, that I didn't specify the DC Octagon House. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, to... it's okay. I did I did like eight different histories on eight different Octagon Houses. So if we ever want to explore, <laughs> I'm totally kidding. <laughs> we can just do all the... This whole month will be brought to you by the Octagon Houses. <laughs> we just keep doing that all over. And then you can rate which one is the scariest. (laughs) As always, professionalism reigns true here at History of a Haunting. (laughs) We're always on top of our shit. Always, always, (laughs) always. Okay, the ghost of the Octogen House? No. (laughs) Oxygen House. No, is that not it? Octogen. (laughs) ghosts of that of the retirement home of people in their 80s the octogenarian house um no i i think i have too much oxygen to my brain now um the ghosts of the octagon house in washington dc uh, my sources came from dcghosts.com, ghostsfandom.com, hauntedhouses.com, and, uh, wait, no, architectsfoundation.org, which, Archie. Oh. Did man. you, did you go, did you get any of your info from them? I did read some materials. Okay. It's the official website of the Octagon House which I thought was interesting. But yes. then you were talking about how like architects, like they own the building now, the school, so. Yeah, yeah, there was, there was a whole bit. There's a whole thing there, yeah. So <clears throat> the Octagon House has a rich history and has seen several deaths within its odd walls. Aside from the Taylor family residing in the home, many important residents have come and gone through the years. So since the home was the place where both John and Ann Taylor breathed their last breaths, their spirits may roam around long after their deaths, ringing bells to summon servants who no longer attend to their desires. So these bells. Um, the same. <laughs> God, it's annoying. Um, so these bells, I literally, in all of the locations we've covered, Archie, and all of the the books I've read and, and shows I've watched, I cannot think of a more annoying haunting than these yeah. fucking bells. <laughs> so the oldest of the ghost legends seems to be one which deals with the mysterious ringing of these servants call bells. So the earliest variant of this legend is purported to have been recorded in the diary of a daughter of president Monroe. Her name was Maria Hester Monroe Gouverneur. She is said to have written that in Washington, the octagon was generally thought to be haunted because of the violent and unexplained ringing of these service bells. I guess- Violent, like violent ringing of the bells? Yeah, almost like, like to me that, that like, I picture like an aggressive, like ding, 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 ding. (laughs) Of these goddamn bells. So Virginia Taylor Lewis, who was a granddaughter of John Taylor III, She had grown up in the house and she recorded this family memory in an unpublished manuscript. It reads, quote, the bells rang for a long time after my grandfather Taylor's death and everyone said that the house was haunted. The wires were cut and yet they still rang. 
Our dining room servant would come upstairs to ask if anyone rang the bell and no one had. So by 1874, this legend was pretty well established. Mary Clemmer Ames, who they don't, she must just be like a enthusiast of the house or a historian. She's got no relation to the Taylor family, but she wrote, quote, it is an authenticated fact that every night at the same hour, all the bells would ring at once. One gentleman dining with Colonel Taylor when the mysterious ringing began, being an unbeliever in mysteries and a very powerful man, jumped up and caught the bell wires in his hand, but only to then be lifted bodily from the floor while he was unsuccessful in stopping the ringing. Some declare that it was... <laughs> what? Yeah. Some declare that it was discovered after a time that rats were the ghosts who rung the bells. <laughs> Others, that the cause was never discovered and that finally the family to secure peace were compelled to take the bells down and hang them in a different fashion. Among other remedies had been previously tried that of an exorcism, but the prayers of the priest who had been summoned availed not. I don't know that it would make me feel any better if it was the rats that were ringing the bells. <laughs> I'd rather it be ghosts. Right. I think I would too. I mean, <laughs> just saying. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm all right with that. Yeah. It's totally fine. Um, Frank Carpenter included the bell legend in his book, Carps Washington, that was published in 1883. He writes, quote, now and then I hear tales of ancient ghosts in the octagon house. Ringing bells was the way they used to haunt the old mansion. And every night at exactly the same hour, their din would be heard. By 1889, the bell ringers had been given an identity. The story goes that the spirits of the slaves whom death released from their chains visit the old home and announce their coming by the ringing of bells. In 1892, it was written, quote, friends and reason ascribed it to the electricity while Fable told the tale of an old white woman in Virginia who made a, requ a request of said Mr. Taylor, which he refused. The old woman went back to her Virginia home sullenly, remarking, never mind, he'll pay for this. Soon after the clatter of bells began and continued until the annoyance was so great that they were taken down. About this time, the family left the home and ever since it has been virtually unoccupied. So I can, again, I can't think of a more annoying haunting. <laughs> Oh, it's clatter. It's just a clatter of bells. Oh my god, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it could be fun with those like Christmas concerts, you know, where they do the bells and it's all kind of like melodic and very like blow you to sleep. It sounds like a really pissed off mother-in-law who's like now staying at your house, like <laughs> clanging the bell right. <laughs> to get you to come do shit for them. <laughs> Right. <laughs> like, surgery, like I need soap. Right. <laughs> my tea is cold. Right. Where's my whiskey? That would be another. <laughs> <thought. laughs> I didn't know Nancy was coming over. I mean, really. <laughs> Plus, also it's her birthday weekend, so nobody give yeah. a fucking bell. Um, Good lord. Yes, should be out of control. <laughs> So the bell legend continues. I've got more about these bells. <laughs> in 1911, Marianne Gouverneur, the daughter-in-law of Maria Monroe Gouverneur, who was one of the original proponents of the legend, wrote of the octagon and the bells in her memoirs. 
if all of my memoirs are nothing about these clattery bells, like I have led a sad life. Like I don't, please don't let my memoirs include fucking nothing but bells. (laughs) She writes, quote, I have been told by the daughters of General George D. Ramsey that upon one occasion, their father was requested by Colonel John Taylor to remain at the octagon overnight where he was obliged to be absent as a protection to his daughters. While the members of the family were at the evening meal, the bells in the house began to ring violently. General Ramsey immediately arose from the table to investigate, but failed to unravel the mystery. The butler, in a state of great alarm, rushed into the dining room and declared that it was the work of an unseen hand. As they continued to ring, General Ramsey held the rope which controlled the bells, but it is said they were not silenced. Oh. Yes. So. The legend of the bells apparently then faded until 1952 when it appeared in an unpublished manuscript by Jacqueline Kennedy. Ooh. Yes. Uh, Yeah, she features in this quite a bit in this particular location. And I thought, I had no idea she was fascinated by the paranormal, but apparently she was. So um, she wrote that Mrs. John Taylor had the bells wires cut after her husband's death in 1828 because she felt that, quote, Enemies were trying to drive her from the house. So the servant spells are no longer in the house. So there are actually no reports of their continuing to ring today. I have no explanation. I mean, you two venture a guess because I'm like, no. (laughs) I got nothing. I mean... I've had some really old homes that I've owned where we had the old like electric um uh, door doorbells and we've had some serious issues like they get shorts and they get weird and um they'll go off at random times which really like starts to mess with you after a while <laughs> 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 o'clock in the morning you're like there's nobody there that's um, yeah that's happened at jennifer's house like the, the wiring will like fritz out in the doorbell and it'll mm, ring yeah yeah this is in the 1800s and actual like ding dong bells like yeah exactly like, that's the only thing I related to is just, you know, like random stuff at my house going off. Like, and just how disturbing that is. <laughs> you know, like, just so weird. Like, it starts to creep you out. I'm like, are my neighbors fucking with me? What is happening? <laughs> like, are there teenagers, you know, like, oh, what is happening? But yeah. yeah. I can't, like, even so, like, a couple, like, if I get, like, text messages from a couple of different people and I'm having three different conversations and my phone is constantly bing bong, bing bong, bing bong. I'm like, I got to shut this off. I can't even handle it. So I cannot imagine a constant cacophony of violently ringing bells at all hours of the day and night. Well, and before electricity, they were like literal wires. Yeah. You you press a button and it pulls this wire that might be strung throughout the entire house. There's no way to know that any kind of mice or rat might step on the wire and ring the bell. Even if you were, yeah, so, okay, so, like, even if, like, this one guy, a couple of these guys were, like, trying to hold the wires to keep them from ringing, there's nothing to say that there wasn't, like, a mouse or a rat in the wall, ding, 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 with, you know, playing with it. Chewing on it. Of course. Stepping Mm -hmm. on it, or you never know. Regardless, it's not a feature I'm adding to my new house. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I mean, when I first moved into my house in um, Phoenix, downtown, 
there were like lots of roof rats, luckily, you know, with the citrus and everything. It sounds so gross. Um, they're basically rats that run around and eat like on rooftops and eat oh, the citrus. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh, I haven't so, heard roof rats in so long. Yeah, it's a real problem. If it's a real old problem. Neighborhood. It's so adorable. Oh, it's not. It's <laughs> so no. gross. No. <laughs> so, you know, I lived in one of those older homes, like 1940s um, in central Phoenix, and they had like the irrigated It was, blocks, yeah, you know, filthy, like, dirty. Shippers. It was covered in rats. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, not until I moved in. But. <laughs> But luckily, I had gotcha. I had dogs, so I had a Vizsla and a Labrador, and so my my lab, who is who is so squirrel, could not catch anything. Got okay. a roof rat, like right when we moved in, and I was like, <gasps> um, luckily I was pregnant. I was like, um, so luckily you were pregnant. I told my partner at the time, I was like, I you need to deal with that. I can't. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I got no. to like step out. I was like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing that. No. Um. I think partially because we had the dogs, like they just stayed away. Um, oh, okay. That's, that's, yeah. That's so nice. it was not too bad, but that, yeah, it's just foul. I mean, I can only imagine how rampant it was back then. Um, but, uh, no. Then, <laughs> no. I mean, this conversation, those abandoned buildings, just like, when we go explore those abandoned buildings, you yeah. know how like mm-hmm. the hospital and you guys saw like yeah. the mice movement. Yeah. It's so gross. It's yeah. really gross. But so the bells, obviously, like what Archie said, could easily be tripped by. It's true. Yeah. Especially if they were like on wires, like you said. And then like, even if you're holding on to the bunch of wires that like controls it, there's mm-hmm. nothing to say that like if it's running through it's the up walls, on top. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Way more hauntings. Let's get into right, it. Let's, let's do this. Oh, see, man. Let's see what you guys do with the rest of this. Jesus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so one location in particular that has a reputation for frequent unexplained activity was is the impressive circular stairwell of the house. Now, Arch, I know that you probably did look at pictures of the home. So it's this beautiful, like, it's not really circular. It's more like oval-ish kind of stairwell that goes like up, up through the house. I'm making this gesture as if our radio <laughs> listeners can see it. Save it for YouTube, Carrie. <laughs> she's okay, pretending well, she's a helicopter. If you just point a finger up and do the Arsenio Hall thing, like you pretty much got it. Oh, nice. Nice. That's what I'm doing. Dedicated. Exactly. Apparently, many visitors feel <clears throat> cold spots and strange feelings as they have ascended or descended this stairwell that goes up and around like a curly queue. Whoop, whoop. Yes. Uh, the second floor and the third floor landings have also been places where specters and paranormal activities have been reported according to a number of residents and even museum staff. Again, they used to rent this place out um, and then it was a museum. And now, as Archie said, architects have invaded the property. Um, (laughs) he said it in a much more eloquent informed way (laughs) Uh, (laughs) one of the most famous presidents presidents no close i'm close i'm 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 getting there i mean they're they're you're you're not wrong and i'm getting yeah i'm getting there um there were presidents there were there were (laughs) were. dc has had a few right um 
another one of the most famous presences. Presences? Yep. Consonant. <laughs> one of the most favorite continents that is said to be staying. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually uh, <clears throat> another famous spirit that is said to be overstaying her welcome in the home is that of Dolly Madison, which I'm just gonna interject here, guys. This whole entire time I thought Dolly was spelled with D-O-L-L-Y, but apparently she actually spelled her name D-O-L-L-E-Y, which I never knew, so. They they should have put that on the cupcakes. They should have. And then we would all know how to spell it. And then we wouldn't be surprised when we do research on her. Right? I've, I've, I've got the E in my notes. I do too, but I, I thought it was a typo. Congrats, like, Archie. Yeah, I'm so <laughs> He's good. all like, I got that. I got that. <laughs> One upper. I'm amazing. <laughs> and you are. <laughs> you do amaze me. Let's leave it at that. Um. <laughs> wow. I Shake my so hand and slap me with it. <laughs> <laughs> Again, another podcast. Um... <laughs> So Dolly Payne Todd Madison, who was alive from May 20th, 1768 to July 12th, 1849, was the wife of James Madison, uh, president of the United States. James was not Dolly, president of the United States from 1809 to 1817. So she was actually noted for her social gifts, which boosted her husband's popularity as president. Um, She held a lot of very famous parties in DC and she did much to define the role of the president's spouse, which would later, much later actually, be known by the title of first lady. So basically she was just the president's wife and then she sort of established that role as being a support to the president. And then generations later, they were like, you know what, that one needs a title, first lady. So sorry, Dolly. She was great, go feminism. Go feminism, yes. Yeah. So she also helped to furnish the newly constructed White House. When the British set fire to it in 1814, she was credited with saving the classic portrait of George Washington. Um, So while the reconstruction of the White House was going on, if you want more information, please see Archie's part in our special episode, Ghosts of the White House. Um, (laughs) Dolly and James Madison resided in the Octagon House from September of 1814 through March of 1815. And according to legends, Dolly Madison's ghost is sometimes seen in the drawing room of the Octagon House and that the scent of lilacs often accompanies her ghost. Now, if you've listened to the White House episode, she is also responsible for planting the infamous Rose Garden in the White House. And if you fuck with it, she will come after you. The oldest recording of the spirit of this first lady is from 1912, when the Washington Herald actually reported that between midnight and dawn, there is the low hum of pleasant conversation, the sound of silver and the clink of glasses as a splendid company with happy, help me out guys, liveried men, L-I-V-E-R-I-E-D, like. I think it's livery. Is it liveried? I would go with the library. Aaron, write that down. 
But yeah, just because I have nothing else to do. So. Okay. Between midnight and dawn, there is a low hum of pleasant conversation, the sound of silver and the clink of glasses as a splendid company with gay liveried men drive up and take away the departing guests in reference to the ghostly continuation of one of Dolly's famous parties. As we did on the break, gay means happy and liveried means uniformed servants. <laughs> Not homosexual drunks <laughs> driving away the party's guests. It's just Archie and I carrying people out. Right. But no, we have fabulous uniforms yeah. with tassels. <laughs> like, I want it to be like very Janet Jackson controlled. Like what? <laughs> Is that the right one? Ribbons in your hair. Uh, please hold my peanut butter stout while I take these fools. <laughs> it was a nineteen. Has to hold my drink. It was an eighteen hundreds Uber, if you will. Right. Um, <laughs> so, in nineteen thirty-seven. The book Washington City and Capital stated that, quote, at midnight, Dolly Madison is believed to hold court again among the shades of pretty women and stately men. Number of books have been written about these hauntings. Um, in the 1941 book, Ghosts That Still Walk, Real Ghosts of America by Marianne Lowndes describes this person describes ghostly receptions held by Dolly, states that Dolly has been sighted in the front hall, and that says and says that the smell of lilacs is noticeable whenever Dolly is present, which I wouldn't mind that. I do like the smell of lilacs. I can't stand the smell of lavender. And Archie was at the Monte Cristo homestead where the um, the woman of the house, like the wife of the house, like lavender, like kind of permeates everything. What one of them? I. Don't know if it was the Monte Cristo, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, there, there, there definitely is a smell of lavender associated <sighs> with a lot of female. Yeah, like especially back in that like era, I think mm -hmm. they didn't have a lot of chemical things to scent themselves with, so they went to <sighs> more natural. True, true. Laura, I feel like you have something to say. Well, if you look at the old perfumeries like out of France and Italy, like it is all obviously naturally based and sure. like lavender does play a big part in that. Um, personally, I love lavender, but it's also really nice when you are going to sleep. Like there's all the, you know, other benefits of like calming, yeah. et cetera, sure. mm -hmm. that like go with that, with the lavender smell. So. The Bethlehem Globe Times in 1949 reported a story in which the mortal Dolly so in parentheses, this article wrote, while she was still alive, in case you didn't know what mortal <laughs> meant, but maybe they knew this podcast was going to cover this story. <laughs> <laughs> so while she was still alive, she was distressed at the ghostly sounds in the octagon and reportedly told her husband, James, sir, we're going to move, which I thought was a very polite way of saying, bitch, we're out of here. <laughs> right. James, sir, we're going to move. Um, again, Jackie Kennedy wrote an unpublished article about the octagon, um, and in it she also reports that, quote, in 1939, the wife of an army general stationed in Washington on a tour through the house smelled lilacs so strong and so suffocating wherever he turned that he could hardly breathe. 
So I thought wow. that was pretty. Yeah, I thought that was pretty. Yeah. Um, museum visitors and staff have occasionally reported smelling lilacs in the drying room of the house. So she's hangs out here a lot more than she does in the White House, but I guess as long as you leave her roses alone, she's fine. Um, now, the first initial reports of any hauntings of the Octagon House were said to date back as early as 1888. Soon after the house was converted into a museum, the superintendent at the time was actually said to have witnessed various lights flickering on or off, having them turn off for no apparent reason with no one at the switch, and he also said that some of the doors would open for no reason at all, even on nights when there was no wind reported. Now, I know that there are some um, doors that if they don't latch properly and like maybe they're not like in their frame, like we have a couple of doors like that in this house that we're in. They don't latch properly and you don't like lock them in place like this back door here Archie if it's just kind of left open and a good breeze blows by this door will open on its own yeah yeah my there there's a cat or two in this house that knows how to open latch doors here oh Jesus <laughs> yeah it's it's not it's not great <laughs> my seven-year-old has completely figured out how to open doors and it's very disconcerting oh he God. just goes wherever he wants now it's very upsetting oh my God. <laughs> So, yeah, that is easily, I think, is kind of easily explainable. But um, I have been in investigating locations where we will go and we'll check the entire, like, hallway. All the doors are open. There's no, like, they're just open. They're not, like, open with, like, a door jam, you know, in them. Mm -hmm. But we'll hear the sounds of doors opening and shutting, even though there are no doors physically opening and shutting. So, and it's, it's typically often caught on an EVP. That would but. drive me insane. <laughs> like, as a facility manager, it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, God, why is that door making a noise? I need to come by with WD-40 and fix that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Or when he is, you know, we're recording over Zoom here at my house and someone's going in and out. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, combined with the bells in the same place, like, how... God damn annoying is it to be in this house? Like this is it's super terrible. It's fucking loud up in this joint. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so the next um frequently reported sighting is of the man in black. So the first sighting of this man in black was by a doctor who visited the Octagon House on a house call. At that time, or after that time, rather. It seems to have been exclusively, this guy, this man in black has been exclusively seen by the maintenance men who work in the house late at night. In the late 1940s, a doctor who had made the house call had a strange encounter on the stairway. Apparently a caretaker by the name of James Cypress had summoned the physician for his ailing wife. So the doctor was preparing to leave when he mustered up enough courage to ask Cypress if there was a costume party going on that evening. When the caretaker told him there wasn't, the doctor looked confused and apparently told him of encountering a man on the stairs just a few moments before who had been dressed in a military uniform of the early 1800s, all in black. So something I guess what Laura would like to have when she's the liveried servant. I was just going to say that is sounds exactly like what I would like to wear. That's me and Archie right there. We're... <laughs> Like, Archie, why were you on the stairs? Like, <laughs> right? I mean, 
Um, in the 1970s, a maintenance man was working at the house late one night, vacuuming the stairs between the first and second floor and saw a man wearing dark black clothing, again, late 19th century, and a tall hat walk up the stairs. The man in black tipped his hat, continued past the maintenance man and disappeared. You're not wearing a hat, Archie. Archie's no. like tipping a hat. Like yeah, I'm, I don't know how I would tip a tall hat. How tall is this hat? Like immediately I went to Abraham Lincoln and I thought, dude, he's here too. So you pick it up right in the front and tip and then put it back. Oh, so like the whole thing off the back of your head and like Yeah, like you tip it towards him. We really need to be on YouTube for all of this hat fake hat tipping. (laughs) Listen, do you not watch Gentleman Jack on HBO Max and you're missing out? I don't know. I watch a lot of I watch a lot of Holzer files and Paranormal Rewind and you know I listen to a lot of stuff like that. Well get on the Victorian lesbian story. So good. Okay. All right, cool. I was involved in the alienist for a while, but then (laughs) I got distracted by I can't remember what. Anyway, um (laughs) we have lost every single listener on this episode. Pretty much. Now they're watching whatever TV they're like, fuck off. Now we're just talking for ourselves. Um, (laughs) So another maintenance man in 1981 was on the second floor landing one night and heard a noise on the first floor. When he looked over the banister, he saw the man in black walking through the stairway hall. Stairway hall? Stair hall? Is what it's called? Stair hall. What? Or both. Okay, cool. He also reported that there's a step as you're heading downstairs from the second floor landing to the first floor that he would be pushed off of every time. Like just this one specific step, he would either like, you know how sometimes like you're going downstairs really quick and maybe you miss a step and you kind of like mm-hmm. stagger. Yeah. This is consistent every single time, but he would be pushed over this one step. It's weird. I wonder if it's like the same size as the rest of them. Like I have a problem that I just trip over my own feet sometimes. So I can totally see if it's not. But a push. Exactly. Feeling like you're pushed. Yeah. But if you're like leaning forward of the steps are weird. You could totally feel like that. I think. (laughs) All right. We're going to try this out. I'm going to push you. (laughs) And then you tell me if that is the same. I don't feel like this is going to go well for me. Can I wear a helmet? <laughs> Why don't you wear your tall hat? I will wear, and I'll tip it towards you right before you push me down. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, tip it toward me. I'm ready. Go ahead and push me. Okay. Right. See, look at us doing science here at HOAH. Right? As long as I have the tassels, that's really all I want. <laughs> um. So the Octagon was firmly established as a haunted house by 1888 when it is reported that 12 men decided to spend the night in the house in order to expel the ghosts or prove the legends wrong, which I feel like would be what the three of us would do. Let's just spend the night and then Archie and Laura will figure this shit out. So a firsthand account was printed in a local newspaper and this was um, subsequently quoted and paraphrased in articles printed in 1892, 1934, 1941, 1950, and 1969. Like that's how popular this like whole slumber party became. Um, one article says, quote, the hours were quietly on, the party were dispersed from garret to cellar, 
At an hour of midnight, as I and two others were crossing the threshold of a room on the second floor, three feminine shrieks rose from the center of the room. Aghast we stood. From all quarters, the party rushed. Too brave to desert, yet cowards at heart, we watched the gray light of morning dawn, and each man and each man of us thanked God his night among ghosts was past. After those screams, our band was closely knit together. Collectively, we listened through the waning hours of night to the clanking of sabers and tramping of footfalls. Wow. What do you think, Arch? That's a lot of heavy writing. <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. I and love do the poetry. I, I, do I not get any credit for not fucking all of that up. It was a huge paragraph. <laughs> you did fantastically. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Round of applause. Yay. I mean, um, fuck the guy who wrote it, but you said it fantastically. <laughs> the way I delivered Execution his writing. Execution is everything. Amazing. Um, I think it's really interesting, though, that like, through what he wrote, like they were all sort of like, we're going to get this shit debunked and that's just the end of the story. And then they had all of these experiences where then they were like closer companions mm -hmm. after having experienced whatever it was they experienced in this house, which yeah. I think is something that it's a very real thing that occurs between relative strangers if you experience yeah, a traumatic yeah, or scary or whatever event yeah, the shared experience yes i mean think about how close you become i mean even as a kid when you went to camp remember how close you got to the kids like you know, never went to camp okay but, or had like something similar like even like a 24-hour like lock-in where you had it like no nope, never did that gym. no mm -mm. All right. Well, your childhoods were terrible. If you listeners <laughs> oh, no. went to camp, they will relate I, to the I, fact that, like, I, you would go to camp for a week in the summer or two weeks. And I had to go to camp. Super close I had to, to the camp in school, and I hated every single minute of it. Oh, you went to camp in school, uh, Michigan school, not Arizona school. Yeah, yeah. Ohio, we do that. Yeah, too. it's it's a Midwest thing, and it's mm -hmm. usually supposed to bolster connectiveness and make everyone be all together but I was an outsider from the beginning and it only intensified that feeling <laughs> I think that that happens too it's not always great but it's interesting because most of like the classic slasher films are from summer camps and sh people that live in the midwest fascinating okay mm -hmm. it does <laughs> my, <laughs> my different podcast altogether <laughs> He's all mad now. He's like, it's not great. I don't like camping. Right. <laughs> Carrie, cut all of this. Arr, I don't arr, want to talk about camp. Anyway, um, <clears throat> yeah, so I think um, I think there is something to that. It doesn't seem to go into a whole lot of detail, except for um, collectively we listened through the waning hours of the night to the clanking of sabers and tramping of footballs. So um, I thought it was really interesting because they did kind of charge in there a gung ho to like debunk it all, and then they came out kind of like Harry Houdini in the Winchester Mystery House. Like he went in to disprove it, and he actually ended up leaving with more questions. Well, I think that's so good that they went in. To me, that really speaks to real investigation of the places. If you go in like with a skeptical mind. Yeah, just kind of like how I feel like I go in that 
if I see something that is really legit, I'm like, yes, that really feels like it's legitimate. And I think a lot of stuff, like it's power of suggestion. And mm-hmm. that's just my belief yeah. that, you know, if you really believe in it, you're going to buy into a lot of stuff that maybe isn't there, but there's some stuff that is very hard to explain away or can't be explained. Yeah. And that's like the core of what I'm trying to get at with all of these places. And I find that if you go with that skeptical view, then when you come out, like you're really putting out there what is true, true evidence, right? Like something real as opposed to just like, oh, we kind of felt this way or what have you, which is true. I I know people do feel those ways, but I like to see the real physical evidence. Yeah. I think it would be despite what's happened, you come out a changed person. Mm. I think that speaks to it. You know, that they're, they walked out saying, uh, we can't explain this. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I definitely want to take you Laura and spend the night with you in the hitting on me. (laughs) Baby, could we please go spend a romantic night at the abandoned Phelps Dodge hospital? <laughs> All alone. With oh just my god, you're the worst day ever. <laughs> recorders and bring Cam- cameras. <laughs> Archie will film us, <laughs> and then we'll put it on the internet for everybody to see what we experience. Sounds really great. <laughs> oh, um, that's terrifying. <laughs> I have been to that hospital. <laughs> I know how creepy it is. <laughs> Don't forget, I have been there already and seen all the creepy ass shit. So, like, even as a as a skeptic, I'm like, mm, I don't even know if I want to go stay the night there. <laughs> <laughs> On a full moon, it'll be super romantic, just us and so romantic. <laughs> Fifty ghosts. Oh, don't forget the bats and the bats. Oh, and, and the, the mice, and the rats, mm. and the mice, and the roaches. Oh, and the... Um, javelina! Yeah, the javelina! Oh, javelina! <laughs> so scary. I don't know why I'm single, you guys. It's perplexing. It's <laughs> <laughs> such a mystery. It's a mystery. This is your idea of a date. <laughs> the mystery. Anyway. There's a, there's a man for you. Don't worry. I mean, he's he probably be, wearing he's like prob- he's probably dead, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're gonna connect. It's gonna happen. I, I mean, somehow <laughs> it's fine. People have married ghosts before. Um, <laughs> Sadly, true. I'm sure you can find it. It's fine. I'll be on Doctor Phil. Catch me. <laughs> um, <laughs> So apparently there are numerous reports of occurrences in the Octagon House that were supposedly caused by the household ghost. So if you thought we had talked about him already, we have not. What's interesting is apparently a very common sound in the house is the sound of rustling silk. It's said to be heard on the main staircase, like silk dresses going up the stairs. Um, I'm assuming there's a body in them, but maybe just the dresses. But... Um, the hanging lamp, (laughs) the hanging lamp in the main hallway swings by itself. There is a spot at the foot of the main staircase that one is forced to avoid. Um, and I'm wondering if maybe that's the same step that the guy gets pushed down. Um, Mm -hmm. 
One curator is reported to have found the tiptoeing tracks of human feet in undisturbed dust on the top floor landing, which reminds me of the Charleston jail where they would have footprints through the plaster dust and the sawdust through the construction, even though nobody had been in there. Oh, yeah. Plus a lot of times they lead no, you know, they they don't get right into a wall or whatever. Weird. Yeah. So, um, additionally, there have been reports of odors of cooking food coming from the kitchen downstairs. Well, I mean, maybe it's bread or maybe it's not blue cheese. Well, well, maybe it's salmon. Who's microwaving the fish? Right? Maybe it's more popcorn. No, that's... Right? Maybe. That's oh, that's the worst. A 1912 newspaper article told the story of a man who had stayed for a month in a room in the octagon, which he claimed was visited nightly by the spirit of a man who was killed over a card game held in the room. So he would wake up and read and like, see, it was almost like a, um, not almost like, but it is, <laughs> apparently <laughs> is a... Um, Jesus H residual haunt where there it's just, it's just the memory of his death being played. So he was cheating at the card game and he gets shot. And so this man would wake up nightly to this scene played over and over again. Don't love that. No, 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 that wouldn't be nice. Mm -mm. In 1982, there was a report that the Washington DC police had been involved in some problems with the octagon in which In the evening, when all the employees had gone home for the day and the house had been locked up tight, lights out, windows closed, that about 10, 11 o'clock at night, the police would be going by the the house, passing the front door. The door would be standing open. Some upstairs windows would be open with the curtains flying out and all of the lights on. That happened several times where Washington DC police would just be on patrol and see this house looking, you know, so they would go in and they would like, hey, is anybody here? And there would be nobody there. They would obviously contact the owners. Mm. Nobody would be there. So a number of police reports have been filed that police have driven by and found this house just kind of open windows upstairs, open curtains flying out. I thought that was creepy. I was like, I love it when the police get involved. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's like that it's being, uh, recorded right that this is exactly yeah. what happens right yeah yeah so for cool. sure yeah um one person reported hearing what she described as a woman's voice diagonally across the room kind of a low moan repeated twice it wasn't a word just a guttural sound she heard a distinct moan repeated twice and was so scared she took one bound across the dining room and ended up out in the hallway um A former secretary said that she heard what sounded like the rustling, again, of silk skirts coming up the stairway. She also reported walking into the 18th century kitchen and seeing a white specter across the fireplace. Additionally, an intern working at the museum late one night had a black Labrador retriever with him. He took the dog down to the basement. When they got to the bottom of the stairs, the dog started to growl, lunged for the only spot of light in the room, and sat there cowering until they went back upstairs, which don't do that. Don't bring a dog into it. Like, I just, no, don't. Mm-mm. But I think they're so sensitive to everything that goes on. I think it's like probably the best indicator to so much. Yeah, but, but I would never want to put any of my dogs through that to like have them like cowering in fear over whatever the oh, fuck craziness of course. is in the building. I don't want them to be sad or sad or scared, but 
but you're right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's well known that animals have that more mm-hmm. mean sense of weird shit. And to be um, honest, I believe that I believe that more than anybody else. So <laughs> like, I'll believe the reaction more than any person ever, probably, you know, right. like I'm going to absolutely like, if my dog does not like someone, like, it doesn't matter how much I'm going to like, like, I might want to like you. If my dog doesn't like you, I'm going to be like, yeah, no. You got to go. Um, Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> uh, Tony and Jerry have wanted to bring their dog, Loki, down to the Phelps Dodge Hospital. But Loki gets just too excited in car rides that they couldn't even do like a two-hour drive dog with him, <laughs> let alone see what... I, I do kind of want to bring Chewy to the hospital. Um, but again, he hates car rides. So I was like, I, I couldn't even put him through the car ride and then put him through... The hospital. Yeah, the paces of going through it. Yeah. Yeah. So Arch, if there's a cat you don't love, bring him. <laughs> and and we'll we'll bring him. I'm kidding. Don't torture animals you don't love. <laughs> bring him into haunted places. Listeners, don't do this. I'm kidding. And Archie would never do that. Um so another uh, in another instance, a docent reported seeing a white shape move in front of the fireplace in the drawing room and during one of her tours. Footsteps, um, lights, door problems, as experienced by another superintendent on several instances, uh, this person has found the doors wide open after he had just locked them up a few minutes earlier. Again, that plays into Archie's OCD as facilities manager. Please don't. Uh, <laughs> open up doors that I'm convinced I've already shut. Three times. He's yeah. shut them three times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> locked them three times. Right? Yeah, he hates it. Um, all the shit I talk about as far as paranormal activity, when it involves doors opening after somebody's locked and closed them, Archie's like, no, no, no. So on several occasions as well, this gentleman has found lights on after he had just turned all the switches off. And in one instance, the police had called him in the middle of the night and told him about how the lights were blazing away in the octagon. So again, Arch, I feel like you'd be like, that's not possible. Again, remember that weekend where you had security? Somebody kept setting the alarm off in the building and you had gone down there a number of times? Mm -hmm. Yeah, imagine that. But it was ghosts, not but all the time, too. The housekeeping like staff, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, wasn't it, wasn't it like the housekeeping, like... It no, was it was the-, the housekeeping staff. And then and then I told the alarm company, don't call me until after 11 p.m. <laughs> okay. So, Laura, let's call him tonight after 11 p.m. No, I'm going to turn... I was my- already planning on it. Yay. Okay. Um, a car, this is what I find super weird. Uh, on one occasion, the superintendent had come to the octagon house and went into the basement to again, switch off the lights while in the basement, he clearly heard much to his shock footsteps in part uh, in a part of the octagon house. He had just walked through a couple of seconds before after quickly running upstairs, he found no visible person. In addition, he also found the carpet at the bottom of the main staircase will continually fling itself backward unassisted as if someone's peeling it back. That's super weird. Yeah. Mm. Even Archie was like, wait, hang on. (laughs) Yeah. I don't even know. 
Um, the chandelier has been known to swing by themselves sometimes. The chandeliers, plural, sorry. Many people have felt a presence standing behind them while they were visiting the third floor. Don't love that. Don't stand by me, don't watch me sleep, and do not whisper in my ear. Mm-mm. Living or dead, I can't stand it. Don't get that close. Personal bubble. Uh, I'm a swinger, meaning <laughs> that I will punch you. <laughs> not swinging the fun sense, like I will hit you. <laughs> no, like literally I will swing my arm and punch you. Right. Gotcha. Not okay. in the fun we're putting all our keys in a bowl. I mean, I will hit you if you're not sleeping. <laughs> I'll put my keys in the bowl, but don't fuck with me while I'm sleeping once the fun is over. <laughs> so that's what I have on the ghosts of the Octagon House. I think that the bells are probably the worst haunting I have heard of. I, it's right up there, maybe tied with um, crab walking mm. spirits, shadow figures. I don't, I don't love either one of those. Loud, no. Mm-mm. And creepy crab walking shadow people, keep that to yourself. Um, in closing, I do I did find this, this part that I thought was really lovely. And Archie was very, very disgruntled at how I ended my part of Salem <laughs> <laughs> last week. So I thought I would try to redeem myself this week. And I have for, The Octagon House, quote, the Octagon House may not be one of the most recognized landmarks in Washington, D.C., but the house is definitely a place worthy of its reputation, especially if you happen to be a fan of paranormal activities and ghost stories. This stunning house is layered with history and spirits that can't seem to free themselves, so they haunt a time that is not their own. That's really good. Very nice. Thank you. Do I redeem myself, Archie? From last week? Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you did. I thought it was really good. Um, Thank much you. better high Thank note than we that was, did Salem was, on. Salem was, was tough, man. It was really rough. That was, that was brutal. That was a brutal that was, one. That was a very yeah. There wasn't a lot of light to find in there. There wasn't a lot of, no, really not. No. Um, I can't wait to go. But, um... <laughs> I, as always, it's been a while, Arch, actually, since I've done a No Before You Go on one of our locations, but I have one this week. So it is located at 1799 New York Avenue Northwest, Washington, D.C., 20006. Um, it, it, it is currently <laughs> closed uh, indefinitely uh, due to good old Rona ruins all the good times. But (laughs) when it does reopen, the visiting basics are, their hours are Thursday through Saturday from 1 to 4 p.m. The admission is free, but the the suggested donation is $10. No special appointments or tour times are necessary. You can explore the house at your own pace, which Archie, you and I did at... um, Winchester Mystery House, and we thought that that was really quite lovely. Um, Also, unlike unlike Winchester, photos and video are allowed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Not that it stops other of you. (laughs) No, I mean, I mean, uh, no. By the way, yeah, TikTok, here we come. (laughs) It kind of, yeah. Um, 
um, guided tours, uh, <laughs> back to the Octagon House. <laughs> guided tours are only available outside of regular open hours, which I was like, oh, tell me about these. Um, <laughs> private. So- don't touch anything. Yeah. Private <laughs> guided tours are available by appointment for groups five or more and require a 24-hour advance notice. Tours last approximately 45 minutes and are $10 for adults and $5 for students. Again, this is once they do reopen. But as of right now, the Octagon House is closed indefinitely until COVID gets its fucking shit together. Um And that's what I have for the Octagon House. I loved it. I thought it had a lot of really interesting hauntings that you and I, Archie, actually haven't covered in a lot of locations. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of character in this house. There is a lot of character in this house. Um, So I was really excited about that. All right. That is it for us, you poor, poor listeners. All two of you. No, but I was going to say thank you again for um, Chloe and the ASPCA donation from our Patreons. Like it means so much. Um, Having Chloe in my life for almost 14 years. I was super lucky. She was in a big lab. She was amazing. Um, It's hard to know what life is like without her. We're still adjusting, but um, I just appreciate everyone's kindness and the outpouring um, has been so, so sweet. And I can't just thank you enough. It's been really lovely. Thank you. Well, we love you and we love everything about your life and all the things in it that make you happy. So when when you lost her, the, the podcast lost something too. So we wanted to honor her in a way just as we wanted to honor Archie's best friend, Trinity, when she passed away. So, Of course. And you guys are the best family ever. Our listeners, not just you guys, our listeners are really amazing. They're amazing. So awesome. Like so much love, you know, it's so great. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you. Really from the bottom of my heart and from my family. Thank you. Yes. Um, Does either one of you want to say where they can find us or should I just do it? Just do it. Okay. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at H-O-A-H podcast. We are also at hoahpodcast.com. We are going to be adding Laura this weekend with a picture of my choosing and a bio of my writing if she doesn't get it to me tonight. <laughs> or Tomorrow. Like, Tomorrow. It's on yeah. my list. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we love you guys. Thank you so much for joining us on another location in DC. And as always, stay safe out there because you never know who or what is listening. Bye, guys. Take care. Bye.